Punisher Season 2, Episode 1. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. We're back with The Punisher, Season 2, Episode 1 on Netflix. This is Episode 206 of Defenders TV Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Defenders. Welcome back. Yes, and I am your other host for this podcast, John. Unfortunately, Chris cannot make it uh, for this episode, but he will be here for Episode 2, mm-hmm. whereas I am likely off uh with work um and won't be around for the episode two podcast but welcome back it has been uh, a long time to an extent for those people who um, haven't been following on with our strange tales comic book coverage on defenders tv podcast um it was with daredevil season three yes uh where we unfortunately as well had the sad news that that was the last um daredevil that will appear on marvel netflix it also poses um i suppose the question and probably the answer although we have had nothing formal as of yet that this may be the last season of the punisher as well so it is almost like the punisher has taken a machine gun to the marvel netflix shows uh they are dropping like uh fallen heroes dare i say it uh, at the moment but that's probably going to be the last time we actually mentioned this being the last season of the punisher we don't want to gray all of our coverage of this podcast and, the, and each of the episodes by going as the last season of the punisher Absolutely. this episode means blah or anything like that we're not going to talk about it much if we do get confirmation that the this is the final season of course we're going to talk about that but nothing's been confirmed right now we're watching this as 13 episodes of the second season of the punisher uh, as you can see from this first episode we spend time outside of new york here so it does have a wholly different feel from the other marvel shows we know it was signed up differently to marvel and even more interestingly we recorded the last episode of our Punisher Season 1 coverage back in February of last year. So this is one of the first of the shows that is only a year apart between the last time we did our coverage of it and the next season. So slightly out of line with the release of Season 1, which was actually in 2017. But hey, at least we're not more than a year since the coverage of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting times for this second season of The Punisher. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't wait to get back into it. I really enjoyed the the more adult aspect of Punisher Season 1. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a more violent show. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly doesn't pull its punches uh, in any way. And it does feel like it's not specifically based on a comic book either. It does feel like it has taken some inspiration from the comic book character and kind of spun out a new universe, a new world for this Frank Castle to appear in, uh, as opposed to a lot of the other books that take direct arcs from the comic books and direct uh, panels from the comic books. This feels like Frank Castle in our world uh, as the Punisher. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think this is a, a cracking show, so I cannot wait to crack on into it. Just before we get into our spoiler-filled review, though, fellow Defenders, please remember that you can find us for all things The Punisher over on DefendersTVPodcast.com, where you can sign up, subscribe, rate us, and leave a review of the podcast on any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. If you head on over to our website, then you can grab Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
or Google Podcasts. Absolutely. And while you're over there, over at our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com, you can also leave any voicemail message for us that you want to about any of the episodes of this season of The Punisher. There's 13 episodes to go. We're just on episode one right now. I'm recording it a little bit in advance of the release date. So, uh, so obviously, if you want to send us any thoughts about any of the episodes, just mark them with the episode you're talking about or the full season, and we'll save it for that episode to put it into our coverage on the podcast. If you want to join us over in our Facebook group as well, you can join us at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV Podcast, where we'll be putting up a spoiler post for each of the episodes as we watch them, where we can discuss uh, all of your thoughts about them and use it on the podcast. Yeah, it's a great way to start 2019, part of the Marvel Netflix community over on Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook. I remember old school mail, you can send in your feedback at email <laughs> through feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Old at- school mail, I love it. it, it used, that used to be postal, now that's electronic mail, it's it old school mail. Old school. <laughs> well, let's get into the details for this episode. This first episode, as always with the good Marvel Netflix shows, the first episode was written by the show. Showrunner Steve Lightfoot back again after season one of uh, of Punisher. As always, it's a pretty good sign if the showrunner is writing the first episode of the second season. Uh, he stayed on board from season one. So if you enjoyed season one, pretty likely that his message is going to be the one that takes you through season two as well, right? Yeah, this is Derek's law of Marvel Netflix. Mm-hmm. The, the showrunner for each of these uh, Marvel Netflix shows normally take the first and last episode as a minimum mm-hmm. uh, for the show to be uh, any good. And so far, that's pretty much happened with all all of them, uh, with one uh, exception, which was season one of Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, but we still enjoyed that. Yes. So um, it's not a completely 100% watertight rule uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But it's nice to see uh, the showrunners uh, dipping their feet into the nitty-gritty of the writing of uh, some of these episodes, and certainly these big ones such as the opening show and the final show, to bring them in and to send them off uh, respectively. Derek, what about the director for this episode? Yes, the director of this episode was Jim O'Hanlon from Dublin, Ireland, much like ourselves. Yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, he directed episode 10 of season one. Do you remember that episode where uh, the interviews were being held by Mahoney in the hotel, which each individual member of the crew, we had Karen Page in there, we had Billy Russo in the room, we had Dina Madani all telling their stories about what happened in that episode. And I think it's one of those episodes that really stood out from season one. Yeah, really uh, nice kind of structure to it. Really just so well done with all those different perspectives mm-hmm. of the same showdown that happened uh the yeah great great episode yeah and i can kind of see why he's brought back for the first two episodes of this season season episode one and two uh jim allen's back uh, he also directed two episodes of the excellent inside number nine last year if you haven't heard of inside number nine check it out it's an excellent comedy dark horror series maybe? Dark, dark comedy yeah, yeah from the guys that brought you and um, the league of gentlemen mm-hmm. which is yeah it's kind of dark horror uh comedy really um so yes not for the faint hearted no. a bit like <laughs> the punisher in, in all honesty True. so uh, i think if you like a bit of dark humor please check out inside number nine as well absolutely and john do you want to tell us what steve lifefoot and jim o'hanlon gave us for this episode of the punisher with your synopsis sure Pete Castiglione is a free man and on the road, travelling from town to town as a drifter. Elsewhere, Sergei Koncheski is bound to a chair and is being tortured by a man in black who is looking for information and a laptop. 
At Lola's Roadhouse Bar in Michigan, Pete becomes embroiled with two young women over a few beers. At the bar, he is dismissed as rough road by a woman called Amy, who is carrying a bag containing a laptop and who dislikes his unwarranted attention. However, Drifter Pete has more luck with another woman that night as he connects with the bartender Beth and is persuaded to stay in town another day. The next night, at the bar, while Soul still plays, violence takes centre stage as Pete finds himself rushing to help the young girl Amy, who is in something she knows nothing about and in way over her head. As the fight spills out into the bar, Inner Frank Castle is unleashed on Lola's. Meanwhile, in New York, as Dina Madani leaves the hospital room of Billy Russo, his eyes open, staring back from behind the mask. Great synopsis of what's going on in this first episode. Uh, much slower kind of start episode for this season, but we need to know the new normal. We need to know what's going on with Frank Castle. Last season dealt so much with what happened at the fallout of Daredevil season two, where Frank Castle first appeared, that you kind of need to set it all back up and see a reason why Frank would need to go back out uh, into the fighting turf again, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, for me, not to start crossing my metaphors or anything, but this is, feels very much like a tale of two halves, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is quite slow to begin with, um, but then it really ramps on up right at, you know, towards the end of this episode. So yeah, it's very much an episode that is contrasting of how it reintroduces Frank to to the audience for sure. Yeah, and I have to say their choice to do that opening moment with Amy and Frank pulling off, covered in blood in the car um, or in the van, it's quite a good idea to do that right at the start so that you can kind of go, well, this is what we're aiming for, but we need to show you all of these characters first to get you to that point. Let's get into bullet point number one. What does freedom mean to a man like Castle? Where we left it at the end of last season was that Pete Castiglione is now a free man. He's been set free on the world, can do whatever he wants to. And the question that was posed by the head of the FBI was, what does freedom mean to Castle? What what would he do if he's now free? And what we find is, well, he kind of becomes a bit of a... A bit of a drifter takes his takes his van on the road all around America. He's gone through Michigan, and I love that moment when Beth, the bartender that he's chatting to behind the bar, is kind of asking him, "You know, uh, what's your plan?" And he goes, "Well, I'm just passing through this town." She goes, "And where are you going? Where are you passing through to?" And he goes, "Well, the next town I'm passing through is basically." his whole description it really felt like something out of uh, jack reacher for me i've read yeah. loads of the lee child jack reacher books and it's always starts off as he goes into town for some very simple reason you know whether it's to find a former relative or something like that and then suddenly he gets embroiled in a whole situation that's going on just by talking to one or two people in the town and that's what this really felt like and i love that i think that's exactly the right way to pitch frank castle there's obviously going to be some inevitable comparisons to the very old 80s Incredible Hulk series where you had the drifter that was David Bruce Banner traveling around America, falling in and out of situations. But this feels like a really good starting point for Frank Castle to get him back on his road of vengeance and killing, effectively. Yeah, I mean, it it feels really natural, you know, given that the end of last season, it was, you know, you will go under the name of of Pete Mm -hmm. and you will stay under our radar as police enforcement and in fact you know they have stripped all his records from the police enforcement databases so it it makes sense to me that you could see castle in this kind of drifter type role where he's moving from town to town uh, and so on and uh, again i think it it works nicely with the kind of anti-hero or hero that he is he has that as you say jack reacher type of approach where the people he saves 
in in a sense or chanced upon yeah. rather than him looking for it and i, I mean the, the great thing is is that this first part as well is so intimate it's about frank enjoying a beer enjoying the music in lola's roadhouse bar mm-hmm. it's him interacting with normal people you know sort of toning it back somewhat it's him with beth ultimately as well um and i, I really like this moment because it the the moments with beth you know he talks to her about i want this to be honest and so introduces that his name is actually frank yeah um you know it, it's that idea that frank is an honest guy yet he is being told by the cia the fbi uh homeland security that he should use pete i love that description of it where he says powerful people get to not be embarrassed and i get to be pete and then yeah. kind of laughs and goes it's not the worst name in the world, you know, could have chosen Eugene as the name. I yeah, had to live exactly. <laughs> but it's a nice play on, um, you know, the, the, the multiple names that Frank has been assigned. He's assigned another one, uh, in the put down of rough road by uh, a young lady who's entered into this bar as well. Mm-hmm. She's, she's at the bar next to Frank and he's kind of looking at her because she seems a little agitated and she's, she doesn't want the attention. And so she calls him rough road. And um, in that your face looks like 40 miles of, of rough road. Yeah, and a um, tough, tough paper round as we call it. Enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's so, you know, I, I really like this and, and it is, it, it's really quite personal and quite slow as well. Some people could be really concerned about just how relaxed this feels, but I like it. I really do. And I think um, certainly it doesn't stay relaxed for long, but we will come back to that uh, in some of our later bullet points uh, for absolute sure. Yeah. And I mean, then there's a little hint of the Frank that we know with um, Beth being kind of you know, harassed a little by a drunk guy at the bar. You know, she's um asking him to just, like, shut up. He's insisting. And it all, you know, starts to spiral. And, and we kind of see a little thumb war going on, really, <laughs> between this guy and, and Frank. So, um yeah, it's, you know, it's a little hint of, of Frank there. And even when he's back at Beth's um, and they're, they're sharing a, a nice Jim Bean whiskey um, or a little whiskey watch there, you know, um, you see the scars on his body. You see mm-hmm. his chain with his wedding ring around it. And, and there is this lovely conversation between uh, Beth and between Frank. Um, just, it really just sets up Frank again, you know, his background very mm-hmm. neatly uh, and really nicely for, in an intimate moment because it is that thing for me where you go, you don't expect the Punisher to have that intimacy with someone. You know how important his wife was. You know how violent he, he is. But then you see him as well with Beth's son, Rex, and they all go for pancakes in the morning over breakfast. You know, she asks him to, to stay for another day, another night, come back to the bar the following night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he does in the end. But, it, you know, it, it's that nice moment where you see that normalcy uh, that Frank is always looking for um, wants. Now he wants it with his dead wife and child, but ultimately it's coming to play here uh, with Beth and Rex. And I think it's a really nice sort of mirror onto uh, the soul of Frank as to what he wants ultimately. Um, But, um, you know, generally things spiral so that 
he never has that. Yeah, again. yeah. I have to say, I think the whole scene is put to a, put together really well. You know, this isn't a twenty-year-old Frank Castle going out and finding a girl to hook up with in a bar. You know, this is two people at an older time in their life where they have kids, they've gone through relationships before, and it just feels like a much more honest moment in this show where we have this. I love the fact they're intercutting the sex scene between Frank and Beth with the conversations. And I love the fact that she's asking him questions and he's, he's given answers, not very deep answers, but we as the audience are seeing flashbacks to things from the previous season. So that, you know, just in case things you can't remember some of the things that happened in the last season, we're actually seeing them visually getting those cues of what exactly he's talking about, where he did get all of those scars and all of those bullet holes, the people that he fought against in the past, all of the things that we've seen him go through just getting us up to date on them. Um, I'm not sure whether it took too much time to do that in the episode. I just felt the scenes were so well put together. I didn't really mind having to recap that before we got on to the next scenes. I think it's important to kind of reset your main character uh, Definitely. in the scenes. And it would make sense. You'd have those conversations with somebody, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a really important thing just to keep that continuity of the character because there is that through line of Frank from season one to season two. And some people... if if they're only picking it up in season two, well, then I think that recap is just nice. And I think how it's done is really nice. And it contrasts with later on in this episode. It's a more intimate and personal way of exploring what Frank wants by actually, you know, for 12 hours having it. Um, and then it, it kind of really disintegrating uh, around him because of mm -hmm. him staying around. And again, it probably plays into his psychology that anything he touches now ends off in violence, you know, and that, that there's these two conflicting sides of the Punisher. One where he maybe enjoys that mad dog element that comes out, uh, you know, that inner Frank Castle. And then there is this, the family side, uh, the husband side, the mm -hmm. father side that um, he also knows and, and looks back on fondly yeah. and, and to some extent wants that. So it's kind of like competing um, sides of Frank, really, yeah. in a sense, almost slightly schizophrenic uh, in, in a way. A little bit. Um, He's able to know? cover over that version of Frank Castle with this personality of Pete Castiglione, really, you know, I love that moment where he's talking to Rex and sees that he's wearing the hockey shirt and goes, oh, no, it's a, I'm, I'm a big stranger in your house. And maybe I don't like the same hockey team as you do. Maybe I'm a Rangers fan. And he goes, are you? And he goes, yeah. And the kid goes, oh, your team is awful. <laughs> it's a great yeah, moment because yeah. it just shows the trust building between Frank and, and the kid. Nice little moment and, and just shows the kind of person Frank is. He always wants to take care and protect people. And that's the kind of character he is. So good to see that at the beginning of the episode. Let's get on to bullet point number two, a short point for this episode, but probably going to build into our big central dynamic for the series, really. Um, we see Kanchevsky, Sergei Kanchevsky, uh, tied to a chair and pretty brutally beaten um, by a man in black, who we don't know the character yet. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of him, and we see a little bit more of him later in the episode, but, um, but we don't really know what's going on, their dynamic here. We do know that the man in black has been looking for something. Konchevsky himself was looking for something, and the people who were supposed to deliver it for him, it seems to be some kind of photographs, didn't deliver because they were all killed. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea who the man in black is, who is kind of torturing, beating Konchevsky up, but it all links back to Amy, uh, the, the, the girl at Lola's Roadhouse bar mm -hmm. with Frank calling him, uh, Rough Road, um, because 
that the phone goes mid torture, uh, and, uh, the man in black, uh, gives it to Konchevsky to answer. And on the other side, we have Amy saying that, you know, there were a group of them that, uh, had gone to get this laptop to get these pictures and that the people that she was with had also been killed. So I think by the man in black here. Mm -hmm. So all this information is coming to this guy torturing uh, Konchevsky, who then arranges a false meet, because as soon as the phone is put down, then the peace that has been promised to him by this guy um, is is given to Konchevsky as he's kind of throttled with one of those sleeper holes where he goes into mm-hmm. uh, unconsciousness. But An interesting in- touch, isn't it? With, yeah. With the death of, him, of the character, as the camera pulls back, we see that there's a cross on his neck after the uh, choke move has been done. I'm wondering if all of the women that were killed, uh, that... Amy escaped from. I wonder if all of them have some form of cross mark on their neck from their ways of being killed. As yeah, well. it's an interesting symbol there. Mm. And you know, what does it refer to? I mean, for me, I have no idea. I th- that that was the thing. You saw this cross, but then it was so subtle. I was like, is that just part of like this actor's skin? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, and there's two dots here. I was right. like, is that an injection mark? So I was, I, it's very subtle, the, the cross on the neck from my side, from what <laughs> I could remember. Yeah. Um, but certainly, uh, I have no idea what that refers to in the Marvel Comics universe. Oh, don't know that at all, must say. And if I did, we couldn't say it this episode because we don't know who the man in black is. So we'll talk about that later on, uh, in the series as we, as we get there. It just does feel like one of those type of serial killers or, as comic book goes, a comic book villain that might have that as their calling card after they kill somebody. Uh, really interesting idea. And I love the setup here where they have Amy also going back to the roadhouse, Frank being set up to go back to the roadhouse. Of course, Beth's going to be there because she works there. So I like converging all of these yeah, characters really together. Nice. Yeah. yeah, really nice uh, sort of moment there of this convergence on the roadhouse. I know uh, both of us just want to say roadhouse, just uh, like yeah. Patrick Swayze. I know oh, we do. Patrick Swayze, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, r- really nice. But, but on to bullet point three, because of course, when they all get together, uh, we have the, the knife fight, uh, in Lola's. So yeah. really, um, you know, it, does all kick off effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy is the, you know, waiting for this contact to come so she can hand over the laptop. I mean, she ultimately wants out. Yep. She wants her money uh, and she wants out of this. Um, but the man in black sends the, this group of people uh, and ultimately they corner her in the lady's toilet, uh, in the bathroom there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get this, uh, like, fantastic ladies' loo fight um, where Frank comes in to to save Amy. You know, he gets involved. This is the moment where he, purely on chance, is thrown into Amy's life mm-hmm. uh, and what is, is playing out in the ladies' loo. There's some great moments here. It's all done on with knives in, in, in the toilet yeah. because of... You know, they want to keep it low, hush, hush. Yeah. Now that kind of rapidly uh, falls by the wayside once the fight moves from the, the, the bathroom into the main bar. But yeah. there are some really nice and some really brutal scenes here mm-hmm. uh, involving... Um, sink basins absolutely i have to say i do love that starting point with john bernthal i love how i love how he plays that kind of the ears perking up as he realizes the kind of change in the room as this knife gang start to arrive and start to go after amy you know it's a very packed room this band seems to be quite popular the one that's on stage it's very packed but he notices that there's three or four people 
like sharks working their way yeah. through this ocean of people to to meet Amy. Uh, and we see him use the wonderful old trick of being the uh, being the drunk guy at a party and your girlfriend has gone to throw up in the bathroom, you know, to get in there. Really cool starting point. And yeah, the movements in the bathroom. I know, John, I've known you for years, obviously. I know you watching these shows, particularly knives are the things that get you. How yeah. do you feel with everybody in the room having a knife slashing at each other? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I can't think of anything worse than pointy knives. Like, it, it's the sound of them squelching in. Oof. It's the turn. It's the cuts. It's whatever, you know. Um, and there were a few moments, not just in the loo as well. I mean, you had that wonderfully played riff on um the the joker from the dark knight mm-hmm. except this time it's not a pencil it's not a sharpened pencil it's a knife and Ooh, yeah. that was like oh okay i mean i again i'm probably gonna get frightened of uh sinks and and, and hand basins because <laughs> it's just like stop chucking people's heads against the, these glazed uh, bathroom items. It's just the crunch. It's yeah. the sound effects because they all just make it so visceral. You hear the crunch of that guy's head. Yeah. It's like when the lady is thrown through the, the toilet cubicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the sound. It's just like, wow, that really, really hurts. And and sometimes it's almost like a disconnect because the sound, the the action just seems so visceral it seems so painful and yet they get up and i'm like going i would just stay on the floor (laughs) i mean i really would i would just kind of go nah i'm gonna pretend to be unconscious here (laughs) what is the point um do you think the reason the sound gets to you is because your eyes are closed for a lot of these scenes (laughs) as the attacks are going on because there is that wonderful moment when the bouncer for the bar picks up one of the guys and smacks him off the bar and you're kind of going is that guy in traction? Because they, the camera is lingering right there and you're going, has he gone to hospital after that scene? Are they taking these, these stunts this far that That's actual it. stuntmen are getting smacked off the top of stuff? You know, I've seen WWE for years. And these moves are much, much harder than those ones. But that's it. It's just, you look at the, the action, you look at the stunt being done and you just think that must hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just where the bouncer of the bar. It takes one of the guys and it's like he snaps him over the bar counter mm-hmm. and it's just so brutal. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really is. I do really, you were talking about drunk Frank, you know, playing it up drunk, uh, to try and get in and find out what's going on, you know, for the, the, these gang members, um, to sort of lower their guard. But I really do, uh, like how he sort of wraps his belt around his forearm mm-hmm. and, and the, the woman with the, the knife is just like saying, what are you doing? That's, you know, are you like just an amateur kind yeah. of thing? And then you later hear, uh, that, he was really good. He was well-trained kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was a really nice point uh, in that. But yeah, this fight is just so epically real. I mean, it is tough to watch sometimes. Um, and I think um, if this is the standard of the fight scenes in The Punisher, I think we're in for a treat because I, I think they're going to be uh, really inventive with yeah. how they use the environment to to tear a strip out of each other. Mm -hmm. I totally agree because we've seen like bar brawls back from the 70s. You see that kind of stuff all the time. But I love how, you know, the room is cleared. I love how everything moves through into the bar and everything is just being destroyed all around them. There's some really brutal moments. As I said, Ringo the bouncer, um, when he's being attacked by one of the the women with uh, with her knife, where she's just 
poking at him like he's a balloon just waiting for him to pop. It's yeah. just, it's really tough to see this guy that's just doing his job, um, just getting poked at with this, with this knife, you know, really bad. Uh, the shotgun comes out and we see Beth takes a bullet, uh, from across the bar, um, because she's trying to shoot the shotgun to protect her premises, you know. Uh, Frank has stepped into the middle of this and one of the things that John Berntal does better than anybody else and did right the way throughout season one is just that visceral scream when he's really getting into that fight, when he's getting in and knows that he's up against solid opponents like he is in this fight. You hear that really guttural groan from him yeah. where you know that Frank Castle's coming back. This is no longer Pete Castiglione. This is the Frank Castle Punisher coming back. Yeah, and you see it on the video footage of the fight in the bar where he kind of, he kind of collects himself. He's, you know, he's just kind of taken out a couple of these, uh, uh, gang people mm-hmm. uh, and he, he's just kind of collecting himself and he's like going, oh, it's almost like a bark kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice little touch from John Bernthal uh-huh. as to how he differentiates here between Pete and Frank. Or Punisher, sure. Punisher and, and Frank, I suppose. Or Punisher yeah. and yeah. Frank, yeah, exactly. But it doesn't end there. We have Frank taking Beth and taking uh, Amy into the into the van, into the Punisher van, uh, and they go to find a hospital to, to bring Beth. And we see even more of the violence. I love this gone from effectively inside one cubicle when Amy was caught first, right the way out onto the streets when one car pulls in front of Frank, one car pulls in the other. You hear Amy kind of crying, going, oh, what are you going to do now? You're completely blocked off. And Frank just takes out a gun, shoots everybody in front, crashes the van into the car behind him and shoots everybody in that and then gets back in and goes, find the hospital. That's that's what your job is, you know? Don't you worry about all the people in the way. I'm going to just kill them, basically. He's gotten really heavily involved with Amy's situation without really knowing much about it, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's a real nice moment where it connects to the opening scene mm-hmm. of this episode because you just think it is frank and amy Mm -hmm. Uh, but then here we see that he has another passenger in the form of beth who's bleeding out she's taken a shot to the shoulder and he's looking to get her to hospital so he's getting boxed in and it's that kind of you know survival here because yeah the moment where he he gets out and effectively um does that execution of the two guys in the vehicle um through the front windshield is um yeah again it's just like Okay, this is where we're going with the Punisher. Mm-hmm. It is um uncompromising, it's all out, and it's going to be in your face. You know, this is showing that if you have military training and you're in a civilian surrounding and you're being attacked and you put that knowledge, that tactical training, that physical training, that that marksmanship training, everything, then to survive. Um, it's going to be really brutal and uncompromising. I think it sets out the stall nicely. Yeah, I think so. But obviously, following all of that uh, uncompromising, comp- compassionlessness uh, of uh, Frank Castle, you see the compassion of him where he gets Beth to hospital and he leaves her. Now, he's not going to hang around like the guys racing Beth into hospital are asking him to do because mm-hmm. it, it's a gun uh, wound. But... You know, you see, it's this dichotomy, it's this contrast of Frank Castle. You know, he will get out of the van and shoot two people point blank uh, through the windshield in order to take Beth, who he's spent an intimate personal night with uh, the night before, to hospital because she has gotten in the way of 
Frank being in the way, effectively. Mm -hmm. But Beth has is left at hospital. Um, and I suppose moving on to bullet point four then, we come back to the bar and we see the local lieutenant, I think it was. Yeah, it looks um, like the local police lieutenant, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this man in black, this bad guy, who, mm-hmm. who we don't know who it is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. We have no real idea. We know that he's now found everything he needs to find. He's there. He's at the bar. Um, the bag that Amy was carrying, which has uh, the laptop in it and potentially the photographs, has been delivered to him by the girl who originally attacked Amy in, in the bathroom. But interestingly, he pays no mind to it at all. She thinks, well, that could actually solve everything. He's obviously hired this group out, the Knives Gang, to do this job for him, and they haven't delivered. So he doesn't seem very impressed with this idea that just because they got the bag back, everything's fine. But he covers over the whole um, the whole fight and all the deaths of everybody there pretty quickly. He talks to the lieutenant and just says, oh, just say it was a turf war. Those happen, uh, and that will cover everything up for you. There was no real, no, not a huge amount of bullets that were out there, but he thinks that that will sort it out. Um, he's obviously got a lot of power. Yeah. Um, a very powerful kind of guy. Uh, the lieutenant does go along with him, even though he's saying to him, this is not what I signed up for. Uh, but he obviously has quite a lot of power in him. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting seeing this because it is, who is this guy? Um, you know, as you say, you kind of feel that's the end of it. When the lady comes back with the bag and says she dropped it outside the window of the bathroom when she was trying to get away, mm-hmm. uh, you're kind of thinking, you've got what you were looking for. This was the whole point. Yeah. But he is transfixed by Frank uh, beating up the people that he sent to pick up the laptop and uh, get Amy. You know, we have him say somebody's dog has been let off the leash and mm. you can it's like an admiration and you're going so why are you suddenly going after Frank Castle? Yeah. Uh, when that wasn't your aim, what's the reason for that? So that's a really interesting thing that we need to kind of pull pull apart as the the episodes move forward in yeah. the season is why is this guy suddenly decided that He's more interested in Frank Castle or the Punisher than what it was he was after. Who does he work for? Is he someone who's got a boss or is he the powerful man? Mm. Um, and you know, how far does his, his sort of tentacles stretch here? We see he can possibly bribe or threaten a local police lieutenant, but mm. does it go further here? You know, ultimately we know that Frank has as it says, powerful uh, enemies who he needs to keep quiet uh, in the form of CIA, Homeland Security. Is this another one of those covert, powerful men who recognizes his work effectively Mm. on the screen of the video capture of Frank Castle? So, you know, is it going to be military related again or or special agent related? um, Or special ops related? Special ops related. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, and one of the other things as well is that this guy also tells the lieutenant to keep his men away, um, which I think is quite interesting. He tells him to cover up the death of all of these people, call it a turf war, and keep your men away. So not only has he found Frank Castle or is he going to go after Frank Castle, he's taking the police officers out of it. The local police are not going to be going after Frank Castle for this and these killings. It seems like Man in Black wants to have Frank left for himself. So really interesting to see what happens with that character uh, coming up in the next episode. Yeah, or is it just simply a foil and he may be um, over before he's begun? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, but 
Speaking of whether he's the big bad or not, you know, moving to bullet point five, we see that Russo um, is still alive, but not through his eyes, and mm-hmm. um, at least not initially. But we see uh, Drinky Madani, <laughs> who is taking a swig of something in her hip flask. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's wearing blue as well. I mean, I thought this was quite interesting. It's like she'd been demoted down to kind of a regular uh, police officer, but I don't think that's the case. I think mm. she's just wearing kind of sort of semi-uniform or something in this moment. Well, where we left her last season while she was in bed, she'd just been taken out by Russo, had been shot by him, and she's in bed recovering in the hospital as uh, Frank was being set free effectively and being told that he could call himself uh, Picasso. Leone and that he didn't have to uh, be go, go to prison for anything that he'd done. Madani was still in bed there, and what we see in this scene is her drinking away, but also carrying a bag full of clothes. So potentially this is her last day in hospital. She's just recovered and was in the same hospital as Russo and wanted to say goodbye to him before she left. Yeah, but she is taking a good old drink over the bed. And the big question, though, is... After having that drink, or while having that drink, is she the one that drew the mask on Billy Russo's face? Well, that was the thing. I was like looking at the mask going, okay, I can't imagine that the hospital would put him in something like that. And then as you look at it, I mean, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, it has been drawn on, like the teeth and, and the scars. And you're kind of going, okay, yeah, is this Dina Madani that's put it on while she's been drinking, yeah. uh, looking over him? Is it some kind of joke from the NYPD who are guarding his room? Um, I can't imagine that it's coming from the hospital, but yeah. It's the, like the, the, it's like the really elaborate thing of, you know, shaving uh, one of your mate's eyebrows when he falls asleep drunk, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like that. But or putting his hand into some hot water so that yeah. he wheezes the bed. Exactly, yes. I don't know if that works or whether that is simply a urban myth, but certainly it would be quite funny to see... Uh, Ben Russo, uh, it probably gets what he deserves. Probably, I think. They, I think he deserves a bit more than that, though. To be honest, and I like the idea that underneath this mask is the wrecked face of Ben Russo after what Frank Castle did from, and now they're making that sit on the outside on this mask, whether it's Dina Madani or the NYPD. But I like the idea that she seems to be pretty proud of whatever she's done uh, as she <laughs> leaves. So maybe underneath it, there's a mustache drawn on his face as well. <laughs> but you never know. I like, I like the scene. It's a nice little moment. Madani I want to see. Was it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely want to see more of uh, drinky Madani in the next episode. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously the eyes, you know, as she leaves, closes mm-hmm. the door behind her, the camera focuses in and the eyes open uh, as Ben Russo wakes up for the first time or was just pretending to be asleep Um, Mm -hmm. because he's bound to the the bed and so on um but yeah be interesting because just to see the full extent of his um destroyed face you know how healed has it been so um Mm -hmm. yeah really looking forward to seeing that for sure yeah, obviously only one episode gone by. Looking forward to lots more throughout this season of punisher um the only note we had really was your whiskey watch note john yeah, where Beth uh, serves Jim Beam uh, at her house for Frank uh, and herself just before um, they go from a, a short toddy to a bit of totty. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's too, you know, a bit of older loving going like on like uh, in uh, in The Punisher. I have to say that um, I don't think I've seen John Bernthal look better on TV than he does in this episode. You know, got to remember throughout season one of The Punisher, he was just getting beaten every episode. Every episode was coming back with more and more bruises and cuts. Uh, 
before that, it was two seasons or three seasons of The Walking Dead, where it was just more and more muck being piled on him <laughs> and a beard growing by the end of it, you know, uh, and blood all over him. Um, so think, you know, seeing him just go to a bar for a couple of beers in the first episode was like, oh, there's Frank Castle. There's a John Bernthal underneath. Well, he does look really top notch uh, at the moment, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> and certainly Beth is a lucky lady. Mm-hmm. No doubt, um, I would say, on, on this this front. And one final note from me. Um, Amy Cole's uh, Frank Rough Road at the start of the episode. That's 40 Miles of Rough Road, a song by Dwayne Eddy um, back from the late 50s, early 60s. So uh, I don't know where she knows the song from. Maybe that plays into her character. Maybe her father or grandfather was were people that were into this type of music, potentially. And that's where she heard it from. But I do like that that's where she's picking it up from. Your 40 Miles of Rough Road. Yeah. I mean, the only other note I have is the distinctive... Uh, cat picture in Beth's house as well, <laughs> which for some reason my eyes were drawn to. It was um, a weird one. It was a weird one. I think it was a cat in a rough or something around, or it looked like the cat had a, a distinctive mustache of sorts that kind of, you know, would be suggestive of a certain uh, politician or leader from the 1930s uh, in Europe. Oh, okay. Yeah, Interesting. So, but in a rough as well. So okay. I don't know whether it was choir cat or, or what it was, but <laughs> it just looked like really awful it's a very strange cat I definitely recognise the cat with the rough on it maybe her son painted in school or something maybe it was Rex that did it it may have been a bit of an odd one it's amazing how weirdly your attention gets focused on a certain thing Um, Mm -hmm. you know we we know about Chris's uh OCD and and how things have to be of a a certain way uh, from the podcast Whereas I think for me, it's probably, I do look critically at their interior decoration and go, nah, not for me. I wouldn't have a picture of a cat in a roof. I kind of see it though. I kind of see that she may be one of those people. As she says, you know, she traveled around a lot. She played at bands and now has a kid and has kind of hold herself up in the house and works weekends and during the week all the time. So maybe she's just one of those people that goes to flea markets and picks up paintings that she might like and sticks them on the wall but doesn't have any particular attachment yeah, to them. Maybe, maybe that's something about her character. Well, she's a music teacher during the week but then she works in the bar over the weekend yeah. to, to add uh, to a bit more cash exactly. to the coffers. Exactly. Definitely. Since we don't have any feedback and I do happen to be sitting down with our other co-host Chris uh, to record our second episode I've asked him to talk about what his thoughts were for Punisher Season 2 Episode 1. Chris, you've seen this episode now, we're about to talk about Episode 2, but without any spoilers for that episode, what did you think of the first episode of this season of Punisher? I'm enjoying it I'm not rabid on it, I think or ravenous Um, I I think there was a shiny element to Season Mm 1 because we had been introduced to Frank in Daredevil, we wanted the backstory, there was a lot more intrigue perhaps, Mm -hmm. so I think this is a very methodic uh, opening kind of uh, episode. Mm -hmm. They are setting up Frank as Pete, his background, we get the 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 standard uh, sex scene, so you know it's it's R rated, uh-huh. um, but you also get the the flashback, the traumatic Frank visions in bed. Mm-hmm. So, from a story perspective, at the end of episode one, I was curious where where this is going, what is happening mm-hmm. to like, is this ha- is this what we're going to get? Um, but I can say it wasn't the same 
vapidness that I wanted in terms of going, oh, I really need episode two now. Give it to me. Give it to me. The reason I'm saying this now and I, I'm putting a disclaimer in, I was watching it quite late. Mm hmm. So I, that could be based on my energy levels. So as I progress through this season, I want to see where that kind of takes me. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I'm not saying it's that episode where I will say they have upped the ante amazingly is the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. They very much have taken a, uh, a page from Daredevil, um, season three. Mm-hmm. And they've taken that kind of very military combat fist fighty style of season one of Punisher and they kind of upped the ante, but I think the, even the camera work is a bit different this season from the kind of choreography. Yeah. So it's a lot larger, wider shots where we do get to see more of the assailants attacking mm-hmm. Frank from their point of view. So I, I think of the gun scene. Yeah. Um, one note, and I'm wondering if this will play a bigger part throughout the season mm-hmm. is seeing Frank's reaction to the innocents getting the bystanders getting hurt. Um, so particularly like if we think of the, the tall bouncer guy mm-hmm. taking multiple, the, the multiple bullets, um, and the, 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 the visceral barking, grunting, yes. barking, the bark, the woof. Um, I think uh, we were calling it the grunt. Yeah. The yeah. grunts. Yeah. From Frank mm-hmm. based on like, you can really see. Each innocent that's getting in the line of fire mm-hmm. is amping up the, the veracity, the viciousness of Frank. So I'm very interested if that's going to play more yeah. or if it's they're purposely showing us the destruction of one of these fights can cause. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like there is no innocence when Frank Castle is taking down a room of question mark people. Um, it, like, like people are going to get hurt and we're going to see it now. Right. Right. Because the last season was very much him versus other soldiers. Yeah. Not very much in open public spaces. Yeah. And I think what we said was, uh, season one was really the big origin story. It's everything about Punisher and him getting revenge for the death of his family. So what's there to do now? What's the new story for season two? So we will have to build up much slower in this season because we don't have the basic knowledge that we had going into season one. Now we just have Frank on the road um, doing whatever he wants to do. We said it felt a little bit like Jack Reacher. Um, that concept yep. of guy on the road walks into a situation, walks into a bar, sees a pretty girl, and then heads off in a big battle against the bad guys. So uh, so we, you never know what's going to happen in this season, but, uh, but a fun start overall, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Actually, the analogy I had in my head was Kung Fu. Do you mm-hmm. remember Kung Fu? Oh, yeah. Where yeah. he was wandering America uh, and kind of like going into bars. It's uh, the weekly dose. Yep. I know. I knew they weren't going to do that. Yeah. But that was very much Kung Fu was always there was a bar <laughs> and he wandered in and like there was bad ranchers and he had to fix it. Like, Absolutely. I think this was very much to... Even if you don't know very much about season one, if you didn't even watch season one, mm-hmm. you could enter at this one. 100%. 100%. You know, it's, it's a way to bring on board the people that watched season one and people that didn't like season one and start them all over again and start them with a new Frank uh, at the start of this season as well. That's, uh, that's really good. Any other thoughts about uh, episode one, Chris? Uh, no, really looking forward to this season uh, and this episode. I really enjoyed episode one. Uh, the ferociousness is not there. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm hoping that it was just, it will ignite. It's a slow burning ember like Frank's violence and anger. It's just going to bubble up inside me until I give it a, a 10 out of 10. Who knows? So looking forward to this episode too. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. You'll be back on the next episode, episode two of The Punisher. Uh, back to myself and John on our final thoughts. John, only one thing left for us, really. Do you defend The Punisher season two, episode one? I do. Um, I defend this episode of The Punisher. I give it three and a half broken bloody sinks out of five i think this is a really solid start it it reconnects us with frank it introduces amy who i think will be certainly judging by some of the trailer elements you know she is um central to this season and how central the 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 man in black is going to be who knows but he's intriguing enough at this stage you know where his his focus has switched from simply recovering a laptop to seeing someone with military training in action. And he's now suddenly got um, a taste for Frank scent effectively mm-hmm. uh, and looks like he's going to go after him. We see uh, Dina Madani, um, you know, having a bit of a laugh at Ben Russo's expense. Maybe. Uh, possibly. <laughs> um, you know, it was nice to have her in this first episode. Yeah. And I think Ben uh, Russo as well. Um, certainly given that, you know, what he's likely to become in this season, uh, you know, I do wonder whether the guy in black may get overshadowed by Ben Russo's character, Maybe. you know, if he manages to get himself out of hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice. But again, I think the important thing here was just how it was this um, episode of Two Halves, a really nice considered personal and intimate moment at the start where you get to reconnect with Frank Castle um, and with this lady Beth as, you know, his history gets played out. And then we get that kinetic and frenetic rush of of violence and, and fighting as the Punisher is unleashed uh, from Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a nice contrast here. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. So, yes, I do defend this episode of The Punisher. Mm-hmm. Derek, do you defend this episode? I do defend this episode. I think the point score that you've given for this episode is about, right, three and a half out of five. Yeah, I think that's about where I'd put this episode. Um, it's a good start to the show. And, uh, you know, it's the new normal for Frank. There's no reason why he's particularly going out to kill people or follow people. He's solved all of the issues that he had yeah. at the end of the first season. He's been sent out on the road. And now he's doing what a lot of people do, which is go and explore the world and what's whatever's around you know i think there's some really good touches in here it does feel a little bit like the incredible hulk going around all of america finding uh, issues as he goes and um, i think that's a nice way of handling frank castle for this season too and i like how quickly he falls back into his old his old ways you know i'm just an a-hole who can't keep himself out of trouble this isn't your fault he says to amy which i think is a really interesting take on him on himself from frank uh, and yet lots of setup for the rest of the season lots of interesting stuff there with the man in black with Beth potentially you know she says that her son's at home on his own does that mean Frank's going to have to stay around this town for a while is that what's going to pit him against the man in black because he's going to need to be close by is that what's going to happen um but loads of interesting stuff and again knowing that Ben Russo is alive and Dina Midani is uh, still taunting him is a is nice to see so we'll see a bit more of that as we get into the rest of the season yeah no that's a really interesting point actually that um Beth calls out that her son is at home alone mm-hmm. so yeah 
Yeah. It'll be interesting then, is that where they kind of hunker down to defend ultimately? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is the man in black going to be chasing Frank in, in a short space of time, just simply in that area? And in fact, to be honest, the two of them seem to be in the same place at the same time mm-hmm. at this moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can't wait for episode two. As always, a Marvel Netflix show lands. Um, just so excited to see what uh, they have come up with mm-hmm. with uh, these shows. Absolutely. And unfortunately, John will not be here for episode two, season two of The Punisher, uh, as he is going to be traveling. Uh, Chris is going to be here for that episode. Uh, but you will be back, hopefully, for episode three uh, as we get on for the rest of the podcast. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast at DefendersTVPodcast.com or we have one specific feed for just The Punisher podcast, which is Punisher on Defenders TV Podcast. You'll also find that on the very locations but we do obviously encourage you to subscribe to the full defenders tv podcast along with that we're also going to be covering uh, doctor strange we're coming up on the 400th issue of the doctor strange comic book and uh, that should be coming up at the end of the month on the 30th of january and uh, we covered into the spider-verse the spider-man animated film if you haven't seen that go see it in the cinema if it's still playing close to you it's really good and also the final season of gotham has started out season five of gotham started out at the start of january and you can listen to our thoughts as we've been covering every single episode of that over on GothamTVPodcast.com. And also for your feedback, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, from the community. So head on over to Facebook to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast to join the group. You can like our page over on Facebook or, of course, you can head on over to Twitter at Defenders Cast uh, and you can follow us there as well. Mm hmm. But as you mentioned, we want to hear your thoughts. Send them in to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can let us know about your thoughts about the entire season. Just make sure you mark it that it is about the entire season. We don't watch ahead when we're recording our podcast, so we'd love not to be spoiled about episodes we haven't seen. If you want to send us feedback on any individual episode, again, just mark it which episode you want to talk about. And you can also leave us a voicemail over on our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Again, just mark it what episode you're talking about, and we'll play it and discuss it on our podcast about that episode. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. Really good to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Defenders, for coming back and joining us for uh, this second season of The Punisher. We will be back with our review of The Punisher Season 2, Episode 2, very, very soon. Mm -hmm. Talk to you next time, fellow Defenders. Yes, thanks as always, fellow Defenders. It is a pleasure speaking with you. I'm off for a pancake breakfast with tons and tons of maple syrup. Mm. And when I roll back into the podcast booth for the next episode of The Punisher that I cover, I'll speak with you again then. Bye. Bye. But I'm gonna tell you what the blues is. Boy, you ain't got no money. You got the blues.